right. Good morning, Faith Church. Hey, how's everybody doing today? I want to say welcome. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And if you're new here, uh, man, welcome. We hope today is a life-changing day for every person in this room. And we just hope God does something great in and through your life. Hey, before we jump into the message today, I just want to throw out um, something. We've been in a series, most of you know, entitled At Work, just trying to figure out how our faith fits into our job and how we live out what we believe and things like that. And so today's week three. Next week, we're going to close the series out in week four. And what I want to do is do things just a little bit different. So come ready for something different. But you can be a part of what happens next week as we close out the series by maybe asking questions that you'd like to see answered. For example, if you are maybe in school, you're getting ready to step into, um, into the workplace and you want to figure out what that looks like, you have questions how to navigate your faith in finding a job or stepping into a special kind of job, or maybe you're already in the workplace and you have conflict with your boss or you have challenges with your coworkers um, and you have questions about how to deal with that, or, or maybe you are a boss or maybe you're getting ready to go into retirement and you're trying to figure out how to do life on the back nine, whatever it is, if you have questions that you'd like to see tackled or answered, I want to encourage you to go on to one of our social media sites, either Instagram uh, or Facebook, and you can post your question. And next week, we're going to tackle those, and hopefully we can navigate some things together. For all of us in this room, no matter where we're at in life, whether we are single or married, uh, blue-collar, white-collar, young or old, we can figure out, again, how to make work work. So as we jump in today, I thought maybe we'd just share something with a little bit of humor that'll help us to get, because today's message is going to be a little bit heavy, but here it is. Top five things to say if you get caught sleeping at your desk. Now, this is not for anybody in this room. This is just for people that we know. Number five thing to say if you get caught sleeping at your desk is they told me at the blood bank that this might happen. (laughs) Number four thing that... Number four thing to save you a cost sleeping at your desk is this is just a 15-minute power nap like they raved about in the time management course that you sent me to. Number three thing to say if you get caught sleeping at your desk is, woo, guess I left the top off the whiteout again. You probably got here just in time. (laughs) Number two thing to say if you get caught sleeping at your desk is someone must have put the decaf in the wrong pot. How many coffee drinkers we got in the house? Whoop, whoop. And number one thing to say if you get caught sleeping at your desk is, in Jesus' name, amen. That's a get-out-of-jail-free card right there. <laughs> now, seriously, if, you, if you're sleeping on the job, your boss probably needs to have a conversation with you. And that's what we're going to talk about today is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of us in this room are serving under somebody that is, has a very passive boss A passive boss is the boss that just kind of lets things slide, doesn't address issues that need to be addressed. There's lots of research that has been done that one of the most demotivating factors for an employee in a workplace is working for a boss who doesn't deal with issues. And so maybe you work for that kind of boss that's just passive, that just kind of lets things slide. There are passive bosses. There are also aggressive bosses. Some of you work for the aggressive boss. The aggressive boss is the boss that loses his mind over everything. The smallest infraction is a big conversation, and it gets scary quick. Some of you don't work for a passive boss or an aggressive boss. Some of you work for, in my estimation, what is the worst kind of boss, and that's the passive-aggressive boss. The passive-aggressive boss truly is the kind of boss that has one or two employees that's doing something that they don't think should be done, and rather than addressing those one or two, they pull the whole workforce in, and they blow everybody out. 
Maybe you have a boss that doesn't, uh, that takes credit for your hard work. Maybe you have a boss that doesn't recognize what you bring to the table. Whatever it is today, I think it's important that we tackle the other side of the coin that we looked at last week. And that was just how to be a great employee. Today, I want to talk to all the leaders in the room. When I say leaders, I mean if you carry any level of influence in your organization, for all of the bosses, the CEOs, the small business owners, the supervisors, the foremans, whatever, whatever title you carry, if you just have one direct report, I'm talking to you today. If you serve over a team of people, I'm talking to you. And if you're here and you're in no level of influence in the organization, but one day you want to be a person of influence, your hope is to continue to climb in your place of business or to be in a organization where you can grow, then I want to talk to you today about how to be a boss, a better boss, how to be a leader. In fact, today we're going to talk about how to be the best kind of boss, how to be the best kind of boss. Now, I want you to think about this, that unfortunately, not all leaders are currently in leadership roles. Worse yet, not everybody who's in a leadership role is a leader. I know some of you are working for people and alongside of people, and you wonder how they got their job. How did they get this role? They're horrible at it. And maybe you're that person, and maybe you see things about you that you recognize need to change. Maybe there's things that you don't see about yourself. Maybe today, God, with God's grace, they're going to come on your radar. But the goal is this. If you are a leader, then your challenge, and I believe that your call from God is to figure out how to be the best kind of leader. If you're not a great leader, you can always become a better leader, and all of us need to grow in that place of leadership, how to be the best kind of leader, how to be the best kind of boss. Here's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. He said, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. Whatever it is that you have, whatever it is you've been given in life comes from God. Whether you have money or resources or talents, giftings, whatever you have, the Bible says all of it comes from God. Specifically, Romans, Paul says this, the apostle Paul, he says that all authority has been given by God. That means whatever, whatever person has any kind of position in a place of employment, ultimately you didn't get the promotion because you were smart, because you were well-educated. While those things may have contributed, at the end of the day, God puts you in that place of influence and authority for a reason. And that's not just to replicate bad business models and bad bossing down through the line. God puts you in that place of influence to influence people because the best kind of leaders don't make it about profit at the cost of people. The best kind of leaders don't promote corporation goals over people's souls. The best kind of bosses, the best kind of bosses are not about the business bottom line as much as they are about the kingdom bottom line. And so it's about changing the way we think. I want you to know today that what we're going to talk about for a few minutes, I'm very passionate about. Um, I have, like many of you, I have served under some very difficult and challenging bosses in my life. I take my responsibility and role as a leader and as a boss very seriously, and I, I want to do it well, and I continue to work to do it better. I don't do it, do it perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But everything I want to talk about today, to all the leaders in the room and all the leaders online, all of the bosses, all the supervisors, and all the managers, all of the soon-to-bes and one day's, one days will become, God wants you to figure out, and he wants to work with you of how you can be the best kind of boss. There's, uh, if you're taking, taking notes, you can write this down. All authority comes with ultimate accountability. All authority comes with an ultimate accountability. 
Because ultimately God puts you in that position, not just your corporation or company. Yeah, I know you're responsible. All of us in this room, we have this response to the share, responsibility to our shareholders. Many of us, we have a supervisor. Even though we are a supervisor, we have a supervisor over us. And you have people breathing down your neck, pushing product, pushing quotas, pushing goals. And I know that's a weight, and I know that's a responsibility. And while you are responsible to the person directly over you, all of us in this room who have influence, we have an ultimate accountability to the one who gave us our authority, and that's Jesus. And so we should figure out how to, how to navigate, how to use this influence God's given us in a way that doesn't just please our bosses, that doesn't just push product, and doesn't just promote the bottom line. Because the best kind of boss is not about product or profit. It's about people. People is the greatest resource. People is the greatest resource. So we're going to look at a section of scripture found in Galatians. And Paul, he has this discussion. The apostle Paul talks about what a Christian life should look like. If you are a Christ follower, there are some things, there are some characteristics that should be in all of our lives. And those characteristics should be consistently and ongoingly more and more clear and apparent in our lives. And so here's where it is. Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and verse 23. He says this, everybody here read it. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What he's saying is that, that, yeah, it's important that we have the right kind of root, but it's also important that we display the right kind of fruit. That while our relationship with Christ is in Christ, and that is sometimes very private and personal, who we are in Christ at times should be very public. That it should be evident, not just by what we say, but how we live, that we are Christ. That there should be fruit in our life. There should be a display in our life. There should be character in our life that we belong to him. Which means that sometimes we can't just put up, we got we to gotta, we gotta show up or shut up. Come on, that we belong to him. And so if you're here and you're a Christ follower, here's one of the questions you have to navigate. Are you a, for example, if you're a realtor, if that's your profession, you have to ask the question, are you a, are you a realtor who's a Christian or are you a Christian realtor? And while it's subtle, I want you to know that the difference is real. The difference is this. If you are a realtor who's a Christian, you've chosen to be a realtor first, which means now you have to navigate ways. How does my faith fit in the context of what I do for a living? But when you decide first, I'm a Christian first, that's the first thing I am, then that defines everything else I do which means if there's a conflict in me selling or buying a house in conflict with my faith, I'm going to do something where my faith rises to the top. If I have to compromise product or profit, I'll never compromise my character or my reputation for Christ. Choose to be a Christian first. A lot of us, we know this because we've experienced. Anybody here ever worked for a really bad boss and they're not here and you can raise your hand? I mean, man, it just makes it hard to show up, doesn't it? makes it hard for you to want to go there. It makes it hard for you to want to, to want to give and go the extra mile. In fact, there's been lots of research done that, that there's one driving consistent force that determines the happiness of an individual at their workplace. You know what it is? It's not how much you make. It's not the product you produce. It's not where your place of employment is. While all those things contribute, the number one bottom line that determines how happy someone is at their place of employment is how their boss treats them. 
which means all of us in this room that have raised our hands and said, yeah, pastor, I've had a bad boss. I've had a tough road. Man, I've had a guy that nagged me, a guy that talked down to me, a guy that treated me bad, a guy that didn't recognize me, a guy that rode to the top on my hard work. I've experienced that. I want you to know that God will put you in a position or has put you in a position not to repeat the pattern that's been done to you, but to pave a new way of living and being the best kind of boss. So, so here are the fruits of the Spirit. And again, these things are like, they're, they're not just to be a Christian. We've talked through this, through this whole series that our whole life is spiritual. Our whole life is spiritual. It's not, we don't have a spiritual life and a secular, uh, secular life. We don't have a Sunday life and a Monday life. What Paul is saying is that these characteristics should be evident everywhere you go. Not just when you show up on Sunday. Don't show up on Sunday and, man, praise the Lord, hallelujah, it's good to see you, brother. And then beat your, beat your employee up on Monday with your tongue. Like this, these, these fruits should be evident everywhere we go and should be ongoingly, increasingly apparent. Now, I know, for example, one on this list is, is the one I'm still working on, and, and that's patience. Anybody need help with patience? Anybody need help with patience? <laughs> you know, I'm doing better, but like I don't have big red delicious fruit or grapefruit. I got like grapes. But make no mistake, I have fruit. But I want you to get the promise before we get into just a couple of these things that I want all of us to think through that'll make you the best kind of boss. Is ultimately what Paul is, is presenting here isn't like, hey, here's, here's the goal, good luck. He's not saying like, there's the target and I hope you reach it. He's saying that this is the fruit of the Spirit, which means that we're in this game not alone. We have with us the power of the Holy Spirit to help us work it out and walk it out and become not our own with his help who he's called us to be, which means you can be the best kind of boss because you have with you the best kind of boss, the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go through just three of these. There's nine fruits uh, of the Spirit. I want to go through just three today. In order to be the best kind of boss, in order to be the best kind of boss, I think, number one, we need to learn how to love. Learn, learn how to love. Now, here's, here's what's crazy. Love, let me talk about what this word love means. Love means to love unconditionally and sacrificially. It's the picture when, when Paul uses this word and says that as Christ follows, we should learn how to love people. He's saying you love people for who they are, not for what they can do for you. And you love people sacrificially, which means sometimes loving them costs you more than what they do for you. Now, that's very hard. Here's why. is because all of us who are in, in influence or leadership positions, we know this. We love employees who are producing for us. Come on. We love the employee that shows up early, works hard. We don't have to be, we don't have to be on their rear end all day, and they clock out on time and stay over 10 minutes late anyways. Come on. But all of us have those employees that call off, like they've had four call-offs in the last three weeks. They're sick again. How many flat tires can you have? Really, your aunt died again? Is, this, is that nine, nine times? Are you Italian? How big is, it, is your family? Right, we have this conflict because for us, think about this, as bosses or people of influence, in order to love people where we lose it is when they're not producing for us, our love for them goes down. And what I want you to hear today, this is such an important principle, is while employees absolutely need to earn their salary, they should never have to earn their dignity. Their dignity just is. Which means your best employee and your worst employee, both of them are equally created in the image of God. 
and equally have value. Maybe not equal value to your company or corporation, but equal value as human beings. And unfortunately, a lot of us, man, we're so driven by the product, so driven by goals, so driven by hard work, so driven by the bottom line, that all we see are a bunch of human doings and we forget they're human beings. They're a human being first. It doesn't mean that we, we let them off the hook, but it means ultimately that we love them all the time. Again, it's unconditional love, which means, think about this, we don't have to earn God's love. Our, the love we receive from God is not performance-based. Promotions are performance-based. Salary raises or decreases are performance-based. But the love of a boss should be given. It doesn't have to be earned. God wants the best kind of boss to be bosses who love people. When evaluating an employee's performance, don't forget that they are a person. Don't forget it. A lot of you in this room, you've experienced what it's like to be treated like garbage, treated like everything like but a human being. And at some point, I believe God's going to promote and put people in position that will break that pattern and be the best kind of boss. We all know the golden rule, the golden rule Jesus, he told us, and think about this as you apply it to what God's given you and your level of influence. He said this, he said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Do to others whatever you, whatever you want done to you, do to them. When I stepped into my responsibility as, um, as a boss, as a lead pastor, um, I did not have leadership figured out. I have not cracked the code on leadership, but I feel like I, I try very hard to do it well. But my first step in doing leadership well, being the best kind of boss was this, was determining I wasn't going to be the boss to my staff that my boss was to me when I was on staff. Like someone just has to turn like, that's ridiculous. That's not okay to talk to people that way. That's not okay to treat people that way. That's not okay. I'm not going to do what's been done to me. I'm going to do to them what I wish was done to me. That's the golden rule. To be the best kind of boss. Being the best kind of boss is loving people. It means loving your vendors the way you want to be loved. It means loving your employees the way you want to be loved. It means loving the community your business is in and treating it well the way you want to be loved. Love is sacrificial, which means you're not always going to get out what you put in, but it's what God, I believe, has called us to if we're going to be the best kind of boss. Not only to love, but number two, I think this is big. Number two, God's called us to be the best kind of boss by showing kindness. Kindness. Kindness is this idea that ultimately that we care about people and we show compassion towards people. There's a revolutionary idea. You don't have to show a hands, but I wonder how many in this room feel like, my boss really cares about me. Some of your boss don't even know your name. How many people have ever seen the show uh, Undercover Boss? It's a great show. Does it make anybody else's eyes sweat? Whew. Man, that show, it's, if you've never seen it, the show is basically, they find these CEOs who run these companies and then they take them back down from being in the, in the corner office on the top, the top floor of their building, and they put them in the everyday grind of their business. Like they'll put them in flipping burgers or they'll put them in stocking shelves. And here's what always happens. They go there thinking, I'm going to find out how my company can be better, how we can produce more, how we can increase the profits more. And you know what they always find out? They always find out it always comes down to people. It always comes down to people. It's, listen, there's nothing wrong with seeing the people who work for you as a resource. The problem is when you only see them as a resource. 
They're not just a resource. They're a person. And so these people, man, they'll, they'll ultimately build relationships throughout the show. And at the end of the show, they take their disguise off and they sit with two or three or four individuals. And man, they bless the socks off of some of these people. And they give them money and raises and send them off to school. I mean, like, I, man, I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. For them, I love to see generosity. It's, it's awesome. But here's the thing again, it, it comes back that these people figure out, they figure this thing out that they've forgotten. They've been climbing the ladder so far, so long that they've forgotten that these are real people. They got family just like I have family. They have problems just like I have problems. They have feelings just like I have feelings. Listen, don't forget to be people who are kind when you get into position. Be the best kind of boss by showing kindness. You know what kindness is? Kindness, again, is compassion. When you follow the ministry of Jesus, you always see, you see this story unfold over and over and over again. And here's the story. Jesus, he's on his way to a destination. He's on point. He has a purpose. He has a mission statement to fulfill. And on his way of fulfilling his mission statement, he never allows his mission statement, he never allows his purpose to be greater than people. And on his way to his destination, on his way to fulfilling the thing, over and over again, the writers of the New Testament will say things like this, that, that this sick person, this lame person, this addicted person shows up and calls out to Jesus. Jesus! And man, he, he stops. And over and over again, the Bible says these words, and Jesus was moved with compassion. It's like something came alive in his heart that he remembered that the whole reason he came wasn't just a purpose, it's always people. If God puts you in position, it's always for people. The company will make it about profits and the business will make it about production and you have a responsibility to that business to perform well. But do not lose sight. While you have a responsibility to the business, you also have a responsibility to the people that's on your team. And when you lose sight of that, you will stop being the best kind of boss. But if you want to be the best kind of boss, you got to be kind. Kindness sees the need. Do you see the need that's happening in your team? Do you know who's sick? Do you know who's hurting? Do you know who's struggling? A pastor friend of mine, he used to do these things. Anybody remember Snapple iced tea? Snapple back in the day? Four of you. Awesome. <laughs> Make a note. Bad illustration. Um, what's, what's the sweet tea down here? Milo's. Anybody remember Milo's sweet tea? <laughs> I'm going to change the whole illustration right here. He used to have what was called a Snapple chat. I just changed it. He had a Milo's moment. He would call his staff in and he would say, listen, I don't want to know about business. I don't want to know about how your department's doing. I don't want to know about how many people got saved, how much your church, how much the, your department's growing. How are you doing? How's your marriage? How are you? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you getting enough rest? And it's just a Snapple chat. It was a Milo's moment. Basically to say, hey, I care about you. I don't care about just what you can do. I care about who you are. Hear what I'm telling you. God put people underneath of your authority, not just what you can get out of them, but God put you there and gave you influence to know what you can do for them. That's a whole different way of thinking. That's a whole different way of thinking. And so if we're going to be the best kind of boss, we got to be people who really love, even when it's hard. We got to be people who's kind. We got to see the need of those people around us. Matthew chapter 8 is a great section of scripture. I was actually going to do this whole message on this section, but we'll just do just a quick flyby. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, two verses. Watch this. 
It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Now, I want you to think about this. Pull in. This guy that we're talking about, he's a Roman centurion, which means he had 100 people underneath his military command. He was a person of wealth. He was a person of influence and affluence. And one of his servants gets sick. This is during a time he could have went and got another servant like that. And this time, if your servants don't produce, you kick them to the curb and you get another servant that can. But this Roman centurion was different. He had the it factor that makes somebody a great boss. I want you to notice, first of all, he takes it, he takes it very compassionate, a very compassionate turn. He compassionately looks at this guy. He sees that he's hurting. Like, think about this. this I know this is hard for us in our 21st century mindset, but here's, here's the king of the castle that knows one of his slaves are sick. Like, do you know what's going on in the people's lives that work for you? He not only takes this compassion, like he cares that he's sick, he cares that he's hurting, he cares that he's in pain, but he takes it personally. Like he takes it upon himself and he goes to Jesus. He don't send somebody in his stead. Like he personally gets involved. Are you personally involved in the lives of those who are on your team? Not just, not just compassionately and not just personally, but sacrificially. It cost him something. Think about how long it took for him to leave, not just to go to where Jesus was. Like, you got to track Jesus down. Jesus didn't have like, you know, share my location, right? He had to go find Jesus, have a conversation, and then go back home. Thankfully, here's the good news is Jesus didn't have to go where he was, where a sick slave was. Jesus could heal people right where he was. Side note, Jesus can do anything, anywhere, anytime for anybody. That's who Jesus is. And so he heals his servant. But just think about this, like just this one story. Here's somebody really important that cared about a slave. And don't miss the most powerful moment. It drew God's power to his house. You want your business to be a winning business? Be a, be a person that attracts God's favor. Be a person that attracts God's grace. Be a person that attracts God's power by how you are, by being the best kind of boss. Number three, y'all with me today? I know this is heavy. I know this isn't for everybody. But what would happen if we just raised the bar on the level of leadership that was in places of business? Number three, in order to be the best kind of boss, not just loving people, not just kindness, but goodness. But goodness. When I say goodness, I mean upright. I mean just. I mean integrity. I mean character. There's a book I would encourage you, if you're a reader, maybe to take some time and give it a read. Uh, I have read several books in the last couple months that are just kind of rocking my world and trying to navigate through them and see what I really think. And anyway, so there's a book by Timothy Keller um, called, uh, called uh, Gracious... Ju uh, I forgot the name of it. I'll tell you. It'll come back to me. We'll come back around to it. But Timothy Keller... Um, Anyway, so in this book, he, he's writing generous, generous justice. That's it, generous justice. In his book, he writes a story of a gentleman that he comes into contact with. The whole idea of the book is this, that people have been made just do justice. People who've been made just do justice. If God has made you right, he's called you to live right. And living right, it's our job to be a light in this world, which means we fight back against injustice. And one of the greatest places that injustice happens is in the workplace. And so this Christian business owner, right? Again, he wasn't a business owner that was Christian. He was a Christian business owner. He owned a car lot. 
And you guys all know the car lot model, right? And if you're going to go buy a new car, you got to go on and you got to do the whole, whole negotiation thing, which basically is a practice of how much can I lie and will Jesus still love me? Like, that's what it is. Like, you're trying to negotiate, am I turning in a car? How good is the car? And they're doing their thing. And the goal is you want to get your car as cheap as you can, and they want to sell it for as high as they can. And so this Christian car owner got to the end of one of his best sales years. And he was looking through his figures, and he was looking at all the cars he sold. And he started to see some patterns arise. And here's what he found. Now, this was this man in his context, but here's what he found. In his context, he found out that rich people were generally better negotiators than poor people. Generally, that white people were better negotiators than black people. And that men generally were better negotiators than women. So he's looking at all the cars he sold, looking for all the prices he sold them for, and he came to this conclusion, this shocking moment, that the people who could afford to pay the least for his cars single women were paying the highest price. And the people who could afford to pay the most, rich men, were paying the least. Now, you do what you want, you want with that information. A lot of business owners would have came to this conclusion, hey, it's just the market, it's the racket. They need to learn how to negotiate if they want a better price. But as a Christian man, he decided, I'm going to be good. And if I'm going to be good, I have to do good, which means I can't allow systems to be in place that promote injustice or inequity. And so he changed his business model, no longer from a negotiation business model to a one price on the window, everybody pays the same price. Whether you're white, black, rich, poor, young, old, it doesn't matter. Everybody pays the same price. What I'm telling you is if we are going to be the best kind of boss, there are going to be times in the place of work that you are in, that there's going to be injustice happening. You need to leverage your influence the best you can to do away with injustice, to do away with violation, to do away with racism, do away, do away with corruption, do away with things that are wrong. If you're going to be just, then do justice. God is a God of justice and he demands us to be just and to do justice. Leviticus 19 gives this, gives this principle. In fact, it's not said once, twice, three times, four times. It's said five different times in the Old Testament and three different occasions beyond the five where they are admonished to do it, the nation of Israel. Three different times it's mentioned by Ezekiel, Micah, and Amos. When the nation of Israel violates this principle, God brings judgment. Here's the principle. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or volume. Your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquids must be accurate. I'm the Lord your God who bought you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Do you know what God's saying? Is the product you're selling worth the price you're charging? Is the practice you're selling worth the price you're charging? That's it. If you're taking notes, pricing is a people issue, not a profit issue. You might think like, this is just how the market goes. This is, this is just the ebbs and flows of capitalism. I can sell it for that price. We've all experienced price gouging. If not personally, we've seen it on the news. For example, how many people have seen right after a natural disaster, someone is on the side of the road selling a case of water that they paid $3 for for $40 or $50. Anybody ever see a picture of that? It's price gouging. Just taking advantage, oppressing people. That's not what just people do. Every one of us in this room, especially if you are in a place of influence, you will have opportunity to twist numbers, to fudge bottom lines. You will have opportunity to oppress people. 
in who you hire, how you hire, what you pay, and the product you sell. Every one of you will have opportunity. And you also will have equal opportunity to stand in the gap as a person sharing light in a dark place and change the practices that'll change a business. And if you're here and you're like, Pastor, you don't understand where I work. If I change something, I'll lose my job. I would reflect back to you and say, listen, it's not about the company who hired you. It's about the God who promoted you. He is still the God of promotions. And if he can trust you where you are, he will put you in a better place if they don't keep you. We got to be the best kind of boss. It's not just about how we price things, but about compensation. Can I talk about compensation for a minute? Nope. No bosses don't want to hear nothing about that. Let me just ask you a question. Are you paying what you pay because it's what, government, what Uncle Sam said you had to pay? Here's the beauty about the nation we live in is that everyday people, when opportunity is given, they can take advantage of it and they can start their own small business. It's the wonderful thing that we have in this nation. They can start a small business and with the sweat of their brow and the vision and ideas that they have in their head and by their own sweat equity and by the money they put in the game and by the money they raise through investors, they can start this small business and Oftentimes they fail, but many times they don't. They grow and become wonderful things. And there's nothing wrong if you're the one who started the business. There's nothing wrong if it's your idea, if it was your passion. There's nothing wrong with you taking some of the profits and absolutely blessing your own personal socks off and you being a person who's a big receiver of what you put in the game. But never forget that you're not the only one in the game. Be a blessing to those who help build your business. Don't pay the minimum because that's if some of you can, and I know small business, some people, small, some small business can't afford to pay minimum wage. All I'm saying is, are you paying what's fair? Are you doing what's right? Are you practicing justice? Because there'll be lots of opportunities to not do it. And here's what Paul said as we get ready to close. Colossians 4.1, he said, masters, come on, everybody read this. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. We read this last week, not this one, but about slaves. And one of the things I told you last week is that you can talk about slaves and masters in our modern context very equally that you could talk about employers and employees. So let's just switch this up. Employers, bosses, be just and fair to those on your team. Be just and fair to your employees. Why? Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Whoo. He's saying if you're going to be a good, if you're going to be a master, be careful how you treat the people underneath you because you're not in this game alone. The same way you're a master over them, you have a master over you. And so treat the people underneath you the same way you want treated by the person over you who is Christ because we have a master too. That principle goes all the way back. You find it littered in the New Testament. It's this principle of sowing and reaping. Jesus said it, I think, for the first time, in this sermon, his greatest sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. He says, be careful how you judge. For the same measure you judge other people to be measured back to you. So be as critical and be as harsh as you want, but be sure that same level, level of criticism and harshness we measured you with. I don't know about you, but I want measured with grace. And I want measured with ease. He says, in order to get what that, in order to get that, then you want to measure other people with grace and ease. If you want blessed by your master, then be a blessing as a master. Be good to the people who serve their team. Care about them. Be passionate towards them. Listen to me. I know, and I said this, and I'll say it again as we close. I know that there is a tension that exists 
between getting the best out of your employees, finding the best team that you can put around you on oftentimes limited resources, people that call off. Some people are lazy. Some people don't care about their job. How do you manage all of that and still be a person of character and integrity and love people and be kind? Here's what I can tell you is if you're determined to be the best kind of leader, God's presence is determined to help you to be the best kind of leader. So let's just move the ball just a little bit down the field. Some of you in this room need a little bit more love for those who serve on your team. Maybe you just need to show a little bit more kindness and compassion, that they're not just a resource, that they're a person. And maybe, just maybe, God puts you in that place of influence to change the standard of what's just and what's right, to break old patterns of injustice and oppression. Someone's going to break it, and someone's going to celebrate that it was broken. It might as well be you, because that's why God put you there. We always lose focus. We always lose focus. We are so, and I'll say me, I'm so selfish and I'm so small-minded that I only see what's happening in my life, that God is good for me for me. And that's not true. God doesn't put in my hand and in my care everything for me. God put me, gave me influence, gave me money, gave me talent for other people. And we just have to see outside of our little bubble that maybe, just maybe, you didn't get the position you're in because you're smart, because you went to college, because you worked hard, and it's a position you've always wanted. Maybe, just maybe, God promoted you to that position because he put you there to make a difference. Not so what you could get out of the work, but so you could, what you could do for the work. God will bless you for it, but it's just a different way to think. There's a connection between what you pay as a master and what you'll be paid by your master. So how many in this room would say, Pastor Steve, I, it's going to be hard. I got, I got some challenges in front of me, but I want to be the best kind of boss. And if you're not a boss now, one day when you are a boss, how many of you say, I want to be the best kind of boss. I want to learn how to love people. I want to show kindness that wasn't showed to me. I want to be just and upright. I want to set the standard of what morality looks like. I want to set the standard. Come on, if that's you, lift a hand. I want to be the best kind of boss. Father, all over this room, God, this is where the rubber meets the road. This isn't Sunday morning religion, God. This is us walking this faith journey out on Monday morning. So, Lord, help us. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit would, God, influence every heart and life in this room. That, God, you'll help us break the old patterns of bosses that have come before us. And, Lord, I pray, God, help us to bring our faith into the workplace in a very practical way that loves people, that shows compassion, and does what's right. So, Father, here we are. Use us. And I pray, God, for future leaders, future business owners, future CEOs, future supervisors and managers. I pray that God would put today in you a spark that you'll never lose. That when you get into that place of influence, that you'll know that you're there because God put you there to use you in a very specific way, not just for product and not just for profit, but to influence people. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Hey, we'll see you guys next week for week four. Don't forget to post your questions online. We'll see you guys then.